morning, everyone. It is good to be in the house of God. I, I want to thank each and every one of you for uh, braving the inclement weather. Actually, it's really not inclement weather. It's one of those days that you wake up and you hear the rain on the roof and it's nice and dark in the house and it's just have you ever noticed those days you really love your pillow uh, but you are brave souls you have uh, you have come out so I'm assuming that we're going to have quite a few that are traveling or tri quite a few that will be watching online so uh, welcome uh, before I go uh, start I want to remind you that this Saturday at 1030 in the chapel we have a memorial service, a celebration of life for Judy Retallick. Uh, it's at 10.30. So um, if you know the Retallicks, they are an amazing family. They've been part of this church for many, many years. Um, so I would encourage you to be there at 10.30. We're talking about Jesus and in particular who he is. And, and today I want to talk to you about some of his titles. And in particular, King of Kings. Not just a king, uh, but the King of all kings. There's, there's a term, there's a study of personal names. Do you, re, do you realize that there is actually a study of personal names? It, it, anthro, anthroponyms is the study of an individual's personal name. The person that has the longest name recorded in, in modern history is actually an American from German-born descendants. And if I butcher his name, please forgive me. But the longest name on his, in, in recorded history is Hubert Blaine Wolfschlegelstein Hasenberger Dorf Sr., How would you like to have that one on an application? Uh, isn't that amazing that there's a lot of people, if you look and, and if you do a Google search or if you look at people's names, if you like to study those, there, there are lists of people that have titles and, and, and names and, and things that describe them and describe their authority. And yet, when you look at people in history. Jesus has the most titles and names of authority than anyone else. In fact, he has more titles and authority than the, than the top ten in the world put together. In fact, the scripture gives on titles and authorities, gives and ascribes to Jesus 198 that are recorded in scripture. No one else can compare to that. And one of the most quoted prophecies about Jesus, we, we usually use it during the Christmas season, is Isaiah 9, 6. And, and this is what Isaiah penned some 750 years before Christ ever walked on this earth. He said, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This five-named child 
is unlike anyone ever in humanity and in the history of the world. And each one of these five defines and declares who Jesus is and the authority that he wields. It, it's powerful, Isaiah 9, 6. And I want to talk to you today, and I want you to just leave that scripture up there if you will, that it says, a, For unto us a child is born, born of the Hebrews, born of humanity. For us, Luke 2, 11, when the angel came down, he said, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Born on your behalf. Isaiah described it, the angels proclaimed it, that Christ was born, but he was born to bless humanity. He was born on our behalf. He was born to lead. He was born to deliver. He was born to conquer. And he was born to set humanity free. He was born. And to us, a son is given. I love that word, given. The Son is given by God. The Son is God's gift to humanity. Psalm 2.7 says this, I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, You are my Son. This day I have begotten you. And then John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The man, humanity, we have no claim on Christ. Jesus is a free gift. Christ is not deserved. Christ is not earned. There is no meritorious service that we can that we can achieve that would get us the give us the ability to to receive Christ on our own merit. Christ is a gift from God to humanity that you and I do not deserve but because of the amazing love of God the creator of the heavens and the earth he gave us a victor he gave us his son the Bible says while Christ was given why we were still sinners separated from God, had a, had a chasm between us and God. Our minds were alienated from God. And, and we weren't thinking, we weren't thinking of God, but God was thinking of us. We weren't considering our eternal being and our eternal destiny, but God was. And unto us a child was born, and unto us a son is given not of our doing, but the amazing love and grace of the Father that said humanity needs a Redeemer and there's no one among them that can redeem them. So I will send my only Son, the Spirit of God wrapped in an earthen vessel goes on to say that the government, the government will be on his shoulders. That simply means this, that 
in, in the military and others that they have emblems on their, on their shoulders to designate their role. Jesus is described as having the government upon his shoulders. He's not carrying the government. He has the authority of the government. Look what Isaiah 22, 22 says. It says, And the key of the house of David will I lay upon his shoulder. That God is saying of, prophetically of Christ that, that I am going to lay all authority of government upon him. And none shall shut it. And he shall do as he will. That the Lord, the Lord is the one that has all authority. That Isaiah 22 is, is the antithesis of Isaiah 9.4. Isaiah 9.4 says this, For you have broken the yoke of his burden, speaking of uh, what Christ is going to do to our adversary, the devil, and to, and to sin and to death. He said, you have broken the yoke of his burden, and listen to this, and the staff of his shoulder, that Christ came, and when he came to defeat death, he, he robbed the devil, took from him any authority and power that he would have, and, and sin has no more authority, and death has no more authority, because Christ stripped the emblem of authority from our adversary's shoulder, the suppressor of humanity. Death was the greatest suppressor of all, and yet death's power came because of our sin. Romans 3.23 says, for all. I love that word, all. That's an inclusive word. Simply means every one of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. All of us, no matter who we are or where we come from, no matter what family you were raised in, all of us are sinners. And all of us deserve death. But Christ came, a child was born, and a son was given, and he came not to just look at us and say, you're sinners, but he came to set the captives free. You're here today because the blood of Jesus Christ was so powerful that when he died on that cross and his blood was shed, it, it brought redemption to humanity. Not just one, not just two, but whomsoever will, the blood of Jesus Christ can set you free. Death's power came from sin, but Christ's perfect sacrifice on the cross paid the penalty for sin. The Bible says, therefore, there is no condemnation to those that are in Christ. Look at Colossians 2.15. Speaking of Jesus, he says, and having disarmed the powers and authorities. Who is the powers and authorities? He took the devil. He took sin. He took death. And he said he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. What is Paul referencing? He's stating, he's, he's looking at his audience, and, and they would be 
fully aware in Colossae that a conquering king would take the one that was captive, that was conquered, and drag them through the street in humiliation. Most of the time, they would be disrobed, and, and they would walk, and, and people would, would uh, talk and, and say negative things about that, that king, and then he would bring him up and, and then put him down and then put his foot on his neck as I am victor over him. And, G and Paul is saying to the church in Colossae, and in reference, it is saying to you and I that your adversary, the devil, that your adversary that tries to trick you, that tries to get you to sin, that tries to get you to walk away from God, that, that, that sin that was in our life that kept death prominent in our lives, that we had no hope, that Christ came, Christ lived a perfect life, Christ died, Christ rose again, and he took death and paraded him, and he took the adversary and paraded him in front of everybody and put him down and said, because of the cross, I was dead, but now I'm alive, and now you have victory in me. You don't have to worry about death. Christ has all the authority over all things, including death. Christ has all authority where you and I will spend eternity. Hebrews 6.19 says this. This is such an amazing scripture. Paul saying, we have hope. Have this hope. Who is this hope? Jesus. As an anchor for the soul. Think about that for a moment. Now, what does an anchor do? It secures a ship, does it not? Paul is saying that anchor which has gone before us in heaven, our anchor is not here on earth. Our anchor is in heaven. Even though we're in this earth, we're anchored in heaven by Christ. We have an anchor that is sure and steadfast. And no matter what the storms of this life come our way, no matter how much the waves roar and, and how much the wind howls, our anchor is secure. It is not going to let us go. You know, the devil was afraid of Jesus. He tempted Jesus. How stupid is that? This is, this is what was recorded in Matthew 4. He says, again, the devil took Jesus to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this will I give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. What was the devil doing? The devil was trying to give Jesus something that Jesus already owned. You know how that's how the devil works? The devil tries to give us something that, that we already own. The devil tries to, the same tactic Ta um, tactics on us do you know that the children of God are going to inherit the earth 
And yet the devil says, if you just follow me, if you do, if you do this, if you just don't follow Christ, if you'll follow your own path, if you'll chart your own course, if you'll do your own thing, you'll have all of these things. And the scripture says, don't you know that it's the children of God that inherit everything? The devil always tries to get us to, to take the shortcut. But Christ is there saying, why surrender your will to the devil when you're going to inherit all things? It doesn't belong to the adversary. It belongs to the children of God. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. See, everything is under the control of Christ. The scope of his kingdom is the expanse of the universe. No matter how much you study the universe, it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And his authority is over all of the universe. His authority is in the heavens, both seen and unseen. The, both the physical realm and the spiritual realm, everything is under the reign of his control. And Christ's reign is eternal. Christ is not ever going to give up on his reign because Christ has made us victors in him. Therefore, we get to rule and reign with Christ. I'm going to ask our praise team to come back if they would. Yeah, and I, I want to read to you Revelations 5, 9. This is what it says. And they sang a new song. We sang a new song this morning. But the they here is every tribe, nation, and language and tongue. Every tribe, every nation, every language, every tongue. Let me say that again. Every tribe, every nation, every language, every tongue is going to be around the throne of God. If you don't like people, you better get over it. Every tribe, every language, every nation, every tongue is going to be around the throne. And this is, what, this is what John the Revelator said. And they sang a new song. We're going to get to sing a new song. How many are planning on being there? I'm going to be there. I get to sing a new song. I pray to God that he gives me a better voice. But you know, I kind of think that it's just going to be okay. And here's the song. You are worthy to take the scroll and open the seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation and you have made them to be a kingdom and priests and kings to serve our God and they will reign with you forever. Think about that for a moment. The government is on his shoulders. 
That, he's not Atlas trying to hold up the world. It simply means the authority is his. And his kingdom is eternal. And he has invited us, you and I, into a relationship with him that we will live forever with him, that we will be kings and priests, civil and spiritual authority with him in his kingdom forever. And it's made possible by the blood of Christ. By the child that was born to us and the son that was given to us. The only perfect human being to ever live that gave his life that we may have life. And he rules and reigns. His government is not going to stop. There's nothing that's going to stop him. He has all power. But he has invited us, you and I, to have a relationship with him. Made possible not because we're good, not because we deserve it, not because of our of our personalities not because of anything other than for God so loved the world and when we're there and we're standing around the throne our song can you imagine can you imagine being there with all all those that have made heaven their home. You're rubbing shoulders with the apostles. You're rubbing shoulders with the prophets. You're rubbing shoulders with your grandparents and with your parents. You're rubbing shoulders with people you don't know. You're rubbing shoulders with the elect of God, the, the very people that have surrendered their lives to him. And, and you're there. All languages, all tribes, all nations are there. And when we look at Christ and we see what he's done and we look at the expanse of heaven and all the beauty and the glory and the majesty that he has bestowed upon us, our song is going to be Worthy is the Lamb. Oh. Christ is inviting us into a relationship with him that, that, that is not encumbered by the affairs of this life and by the cares of this world. He's inviting us into a relationship with him based on us looking at him and saying, you're worthy. You are worthy. I'm going to ask those who would please come and help us serve communion. As we approach the Lord's table, I want to ask you a question. Scripture talks about communion and, and making sure that your heart is right with God and not taking it unworthily. You say, well, what does that mean? Do we have to be perfect? No. 
if you if perfection was a requirement of communion nobody would ever take it what does it mean it means that we examine our hearts and we realize that we're in his kingdom and we say god here i am God is not looking for perfection. He is looking for a perfect heart. He is looking for one that says, Lord, if I have something against anybody, Lord, forgive me. You know the struggles that I have. Please forgive me. And, and your heart has a desire to please him. That you're not harboring something and saying, God, I'm going to thank you for this, but I'm going to keep everything else. just when he says come to me all that are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest God is not looking for perfection he is looking for a perfect heart a desire to please him if you're here today and you're struggling with, with issues in your life, it's okay. Just acknowledge them before God and allow God to do the work in you. Communion is simply that. It's communing with God. It's taking the bread. It's taking the juice and saying, God, Christ's body was broken for me and his blood was shed for me. And I am part of his kingdom. It's being able to say, worthy is the lamb who created me a right heart and renew a right spirit.